What's up, everybody? This is your co-host, Posh, and you're on the Founder Hour. I'm Pat. And we're here with our guest, Oren Axe. How's it going, guys? What's up, Oren? It's going hey. great. So, just a quick intro. Oren, you guys might recognize him from the Fire Festival documentary on Hulu. You had a, It's called Fire Fraud, right? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, and you had a few cool parts in there. I've seen it a couple of times and it was just awesome. I was like, okay, I can't wait to sit down with this guy because he has a humorous personality. And you could just tell there was just like a kind of like dry humor behind what, what you were talking about. Um, and for those that don't know what the Fire Festival is, I would just pause this podcast right now and don't listen because I, you, don't, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast if you haven't <laughs> listened, watched the founder, if you haven't watched the Fire Festival documentaries. Uh, but we're so glad the to Hulu have you. The Hulu one specifically. The Hulu, the Hulu one, one specifically because Oren's in it. Correct. Um, and if you have Spotify Premium, which doesn't sponsor us yet, um, you get free Hulu. So yeah. that's how Boom. I checked it out. So Spotify no Premium. Yeah, no excuses. <laughs> um, but so we're so cool. Just jump right in. Oren, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you grew up? I know you had mentioned that you're kind of nomadic right now, but where did you start off? Yeah, so I'm from Los Angeles, specifically Tarzana. Born and raised. I grew up out in the valley and then moved out of here when I was 17. Moved to San Francisco, lived out there, studied for about six years, and then moved to New York. Did that for like three years. Um, in between that, I worked and lived abroad and just tried to live nomadic and take my work on the road and see kind of if I can balance the the two. And so about a year ago, I took it full time on the road and moved to Asia a little bit and did a little bit of Europe. Ended up in Tel Aviv for six months, got into some galleries with my artwork and just stayed there for a bit. Um, and then the whole fire fraud thing happened. I, yeah. I had to come back to the U.S. to <laughs> to just hit up, you know, different media outlets I wanted to talk or just yeah. meetings that were in line. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of things had to be local. Yeah. And both Posh and I grew up in LA too, and I kind of feel like it's common, um, like whether it's me myself or just friends that I know of, like folks who grew up in LA just don't want to get out of LA at some point. Mm -hmm. And then it's like the opposite for people who are not from LA. And normally, like San Francisco is like the location, but for you, like it was, but like ultimately, it was like I just want to like just go go like out. And like I guess why was that? Why did like growing up? Did you was there a reason you wanted to just kind of be nomadic and just travel what i mean i've always been nomadic by default my parents were they're they're israeli so we grew up i'm a first generation and we were always on the back and forth kind of situation mm -hmm. they always tried to make it happen out there and then i kind of used to being in in transit i guess and so for me going to college was just natural leaving san francisco mm -hmm. and then just san francisco felt too small for me after being obviously from la yeah and just wanting more and bigger and better. And New York is just perfect for that. Mm -hmm. Orin, what did you study in college? So I had my first degree in graphic design and my yeah. second in advertising. But yeah. I basically focus only on graphic design. And was it the goal to get into like some sort of marketing or advertising field? or? Um, I actually, yeah. So I started in graphic design and then I moved back to LA for an internship at Filter Magazine. Mm -hmm. It's not around anymore. At the time, it was like great music magazine and... Working there, I worked on the Toyota account, mm -hmm. and I was like 18 or something. Wow. So it got right into the music world, doing their um, music festival graphics, and um, it just opened my eyes to the music industry, and I just was jaded pretty early on, which was the industry I wanted to jump back into when I got out of school. Mm -hmm. And then 
my cousin took me, he worked at Saatchi and Saatchi in Tel Aviv. And one summer when I came to visit him, he took me to the office and took me through like one of their like workshop kind of brainstorm sessions. And I really, it really resonated with me the way that they work, just like the collaborative concepting sitting in one room with like a group of smart people and just coming up with an idea instead of how I work as a designer all alone in a sketchbook and like throw it on a screen when I'm ready. Yeah. Which was creative, but it wasn't creative enough. And yeah. I thought advertising was maybe the the right move. So um, the Toyota account kind of jaded me and advertising looked interesting, got my degree uh, and just moved on to advertising quickly. Um, but slowly realized that that world is actually too not what I'm looking. It's just not what I'm looking for. And I never stepped foot in an ad agency. What about it though? Was it was not, not appealing to you? I think it was just too structured and I'm kind of, I like my work to be a little bit, not chaotic, but yeah. Were you only at like larger agencies like Saatchi and Saatchi or like, did you, did you also like get the experience of like a smaller, like startup? I would come and like sit in on lectures and meet with like agencies whenever they had some sort of thing that was smaller in San Francisco. Yeah. But I never worked, never, never worked or checked out anything mm-hmm. that was. And you would think like an advertising agency, like you see Mad Men, it's like sort of like a chaotic, like. Uh, it was around situation. that era too. Like yeah. my whole ad department changed their, mm-hmm. each room sign to be like the Mad Men logo oh, or whatever. It was, it was like, yeah. I was like very much in school in that era and the iPhone app store just launched in San Francisco. So like the tech industry just kind of was popping, Instagram, everything, Airbnb, like mm-hmm. Lyft, all these crazy things were like happening around me. And I was like. All these like, companies that are now IPOing. Yeah, it's funny. Like somebody in a lift the other day, like this lift driver, like creeped back, was like, "Hey, uh, did you used to live in San Francisco?" And I was in New York, and I was like, so scared. Yeah, and yeah. I'm I'm just frozen, and I don't know what to say to this guy. And I'm like, why? <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, I'm sorry. I I don't know. I just noticed here you uh you've been on the app since like 2011 or 12 oh, wow. before it was like, and he's like, yeah. no one was on it then except uh-huh. people in San Francisco. I was like, damn, making me feel so old right <laughs> yeah, now. Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it was like an interesting time in San Francisco in general. So I'm um, just kind of not knowing in general what the industry looks like after school and just everything around me was chaos. And I was kind of taught to. Uh, my school is not a traditional art school. It's a very commercial art school where it's like, as a desi- as a graphic designer, you are a commercial graphic designer. Or com- yeah. oh, I'm sorry, a commercial artist. Mm-hmm. And that's different than being an artist where you're just painting for Right, because you want to make a living. I mean, like, you don't know if you're going to make a living doing it. Yeah, though. but you also have clients. Okay. It's a corporate client that right. needs something mm-hmm. like a logo. So you have to make sure there's like a, a there's reason. A system in place. Yeah, and the logo sells because it's identifiable, et cetera. So there's a lot to it. And my school taught me really well to handle not only the mess I was in uh, in San Francisco in that time, but just like a mess of you know agency life, yeah. and I think a lot of schools don't focus that. So one of the things that I look back at now is is actually the the way I was taught taught me to handle uh, like chaotic situations and pull all nighters, mm-hmm. and and so fast forwarding to kind of how the, my career took off was. I started uh, working at Studio O plus A in San Francisco, which is an interior design firm. They basically invented the whole interior graphics, or I'm sorry, the whole like interiors thing, like in San Francisco, where there's like a slide in the office, mm-hmm, yeah. or mm-hmm. yeah, the Google Facebook Google. style office. Mm-hmm. 
they like the co-founders, the O and the A, uh, they invented that. And so I got that side of the tech industry. So they've been around for a while. It wasn't like a... Yeah, no, they've been around for decades. And you were designing for them? Yeah, I was designing interior graphics. So I was doing a lot of like, um, you know, how some offices have like a whole hallway that's just like a huge mural right. or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I would, and like, whatever, and like neon signs that mm-hmm. go on the ceiling. So I would, I would create these like graphic elements. Um, sometimes it was like, very graphic like a like an actual illustration on the wall not like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but um sometimes it's a little bit more abstract like it'd be like a like a paint splatter or whatever on the wall and yeah or like on the floor has like a zigzag whatever so and do most of those like startups and companies in san francisco like hire like an agency like or like that agency for, mm-hmm. for yeah i mean it's like one one guy goes to google's office and wants yeah. that and comes to facebook and says you know, for us, we want the Google office, but we want it bigger and better. And then it just, that's the San Francisco model of like, everyone wants the, that modeled office of the last guy, but wants it better because it's a hiring tool, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. So, um, so yeah, I learned a lot of, a lot of things in that, but um, ultimately it was like not what I studied. Mm-hmm. So it's already taking like a new career path and then moved Which to you didn't want to go down. That's not what you wanted to do. I mean, they, they took me like while I was in school, they asked me to come work for them. So I was already like, you know, this is, I should just yeah. take this job instead of struggling after school for my, like the principle of finding like an advertising job and just sticking to it. I thought, you know, it'd be wise to just get on with getting a career. And it was really interesting. And I worked under one of the biggest designers in like the, the field, not knowing even the field myself. Yeah. I was interior is not my world. Um, learned a lot, learned a lot and then moved to New York where. What, how old were you at when you moved to New York? 25. So you worked there for a long time. I worked in San Francisco about a year or two after school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then um, I moved to San Francisco early. I was about to 17 because I I graduated high school early, like Mm -hmm. a year early just to get to university. Smart. I knew what I wanted to do. Like I knew graphic design was like my my thing in eighth grade. So the last two years of, especially the last two years of high school is like pointless. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like I love to learn (laughs) and it was just kind of like a bummer to hate it in high school. It was like forced on me while I was like, I know what I want to do, so help me, help me learn that. And mm-hmm. and then in the last year, I took control of that and started taking classes at Pierce and mm-hmm. like West Valley, and I learned the software, which freed up my time when I went to uni- like a private art school, and I mm-hmm. saved a lot of money. But ultimately, you know, like I had to do that myself. So um, like, there's no infrastructure. I went to Taft. Like, yeah, there, there was no. Art, art programs and whatever. Yeah. Maybe now it's a charter school now, but yeah. Um, yeah. it's changed a lot. I've heard. Yeah, yeah. I used to, I grew up in West Hills, so it's like pretty close. Yeah, I went to El Camino as well for a minute, but both of them were regardless. So, or I'm curious before you talk about you know your move to New York and what happened there. I know you mentioned when you were even at that magazine that you know that wasn't something that you wanted to do, and then the interiors wasn't something you wanted to do. Did you know what you wanted to do? Or did you just know what you didn't want to do? Well, the magazine, working at Filter Magazine, I did want to be in the music industry. It was just the, once I worked there, I saw the reality right. of it. And then I was like, you know, I started backpedaling because it's a chaotic industry. You know, it's like you're you're sometimes doing something at like three in the morning, um, yeah. like out in Hollywood. Like you're not actually designing. You're just right. involved in the, like the industry. You're doing like things. And it's like... Um, it starts taking a toll on you. Like I was doing things that I was just, 
out of the office. And it's more like the lifestyle you were in. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, it's yeah. a lifestyle that you have to really be ready for it. And I was, I don't know if I was ready for it back then. And like a little bit better at it now where like you're off, your off hours right. are also on hours sometimes. Right. So you moved to New York. Right? Yeah, so like, I moved to New York thinking like tech and in, in was a little too much. And it was kind of like one topic that I was working in. Even though it was interior graphics, it was still tech. And so I wanted the full kind of industry or the full option of what my industry can do. And New York is kind of a good place for graphic design. So there's good pay. It's one of the only places in the world that they pay for that. And there's a variety of companies from all over the world from different industries. So I started working in a lot of different random things. Just kind of first year was like freelance just to make it happen. I worked at like a makeup company making really good money, but just was just to get you know get on with life there. Yeah, but yeah, it's so expensive to live in New York too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, I took this job just to make. Yeah, and were you in like Manhattan? Rent. Like you were in the city, or I was really far out in Brooklyn in the beginning. Oh, okay. Yeah, my first year was really crazy. I I lived in a three bedroom with like ten people. Holy Fuck. Shit. I like went random people like. Yeah, it was like an know. Airbnb that this like woman turned into like a. Hostel, yeah, you know, but it was just like a bunch of people with the hostile environment. She (laughs) called it Homestel. She was like, I'm gonna start my own hostel one day, and this is my like, she's a hustler. I gave it to her, like, even though it was like slumlord conditions. How's Homestel doing now? I think it's done. She honestly, she probably made enough money to start her hostel. (laughs) She's from Vietnam and always like wanted to go back home and like started there. It's funny because, like, at one point, like, we were close enough that yeah. I did go to Vietnam and stayed with her family there wow. in the place where she wants to start I feel like her. it could become, become like a homestool like mafia yeah, with up. all these like people who are like young hustlers yeah, yeah, and like yeah. don't have a place totally. to stay and then they just come out and like create the biggest <laughs> companies in the world I mean you'd, Im- you'd be surprised like some of the people that stayed with me in that place were they're just hustling kids like yeah. n- they weren't just like pork people that right. like yeah. were slumming with me yeah. it was like people like me that were coming to she New York. She carefully curated their residence. Though. Yeah, totally. No, she actually kind of did. You know, like <laughs> they were people she also wanted like not to mess up her room. So right. I have two really good friends from that place that I just actually spent the last week with traveling in San Francisco and New York um, as well. They're designers, photographers that are now nice. doing really well and kind of took off and have good living situations now. That's cool. Um, yeah, so it's funny to see now kind of like the, the situation change, but it went from, um, that living arrangement to, yeah. So I went to Vietnam, couldn't find freelance work for a few months. You moved there? Like you wanted to like live there? In Vietnam? Yeah. Well, I was trying to see what it looks like. Like I really wanted to stay in New York, but it was like, I couldn't find freelance work for the coming three months ahead. Yeah, like, I'll, I can imagine it's like there's so many freelancers. It's like super competitive, right? Yeah, New York is really competitive. You have to really think about you're kind of the best in whatever. Let's say you're from a, some small country and you're some small village, whatever. You're the best in that town. You're going to go to the big city and that now you're the best in that city. And now you're like, what's next? Whatever. It keeps going up and up and up. And New York is like the ultimate. So you're like the best from wherever you're from. Yeah. Fighting against the best f- people from wherever really they're different. from. Mm-hmm. And you're just fighting the best people in the world in everything. That- Which makes you better. Absolutely. I mean, the second I found a job, I was. I, it took me about a year. So I was just like, it took me a year, but it also made me realize, wow, a year of fighting all these people off. And it finally stuck, you know. Did it feel that you felt that competition? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're go- I was getting interviews at the best places. I interviewed at the New York Times. I I've interviewed at Squarespace. Like the New York Times waited like two months to interview me, Jeez. and I was like honored. But then you know <laughs> they had the uh, 
another option after. So yeah. um, it's obvious that they didn't really, even with waiting for me, um, I had a death in the family. So I was abroad and they were like, take your time, come back whenever you're ready. And I was like, that's really nice. But again, all the, so it looked great. And, and then the realization of why isn't anyone calling me back? Like Squarespace told me, I have a Squarespace, a custom one. I custom yeah. coded it. Yeah, I think and, we have one too. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I was like in their office for an interview, and the cus- and the guys are telling me on the design team it's one of the best they've seen. You know. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I'm in. Yeah, I got this. But then I'm not. So <laughs> I have to, you know, step back and realize, kind of like, all right, you're. Yeah, the competition is intense here. And how did you deal with that? Like, I don't want to call it rejection, but constant just not getting what you wanted. That constant battle of okay. I want to get to this point or I want to do this or I want to get that job and it's just not happening. I mean, were you able to deal with that positively? I think a lot of times I take it pretty hard on myself and it's easy to just be like, I suck. And I think a lot of times I did, but ultimately I'm, I'm good at remembering my self-worth just reminding myself like, look, I have this skill set. I know that I'm able to achieve what I'm able to achieve. So if somebody was going to ask for something, I have the Swiss army knife for it. Even if I'm not, let's say if I don't have a portfolio, if I have nothing, my whole hard drive wipes out tomorrow. Somebody can come up to me and say, I need a logo and I know how to do it. And I don't need to second guess that. And I, I know, you know, that's, that's that. So that alone just kind of reassured me that it's like, I know what I know. And with that knowledge, I can, I can find something. It's just a matter of being persistent. So I feel like it's a whole different game when you're interviewing for these companies. Like I've done, I've been in that situation too for different things, not design, but it's right. like, it's like a system. Like even if you know yourself and you know you're like w- capable and you, it comes off in the interview, that means like jack shit. It doesn't matter. There's something else. There's other things like, you know, there's somebody else who might have gone like a warm referral or something where it's like just automatically. Yeah. Like, and that ultimately them. is what got me my first job in New York is you, you, you met somebody. Well, so I was, so again, so after living in Homestead for about a year, I, um, my last two year months of the year, I couldn't find uh, any freelance work. And I was like, all right, I don't have enough money to stay here, but I want to stay here. What do I do? And I figured out that it was cheaper to fly to Vietnam and Thailand for two months hmm. than to stay in Brooklyn. Wow. So like I, flight ticket included everything, everything, included. and I've done it before, so That's I know your, your rent that you were paying. Yeah, and I was already paying like dirt cheap, living with ten people. So it was like, you know, that alone has said something. And I've backpacked enough in Southeast Asia, like to really way around. I knew yeah. how to like budget myself, and um, and so I did it. And then um, when I came back, I had I picked up one logo like while I was on the road, which paid for like one extra month. When I got back, how much? How much do logos go for? But, I don't want to say because back then my numbers were <laughs> you don't like want to anchor yourself. It's fine. Yeah, no, my numbers back then were so bad. It was like numbers that I would not tell anyone to be asking for, but it was what I needed, and it just yeah. got the job done. And yeah. so, and the logo looked good. He's still my client. I have to like give him similar pricing these days, and so it's tough. Mm-hmm. He's just a nonprofit, so it's you know from the heart. But yeah. um. Yeah, so basically I had one month left of rent and um and uh, in that month I got a friend who worked at Thrillist who got me mm-hmm. a position or you know obviously got me an interview and then I worked there for 5 months before the fuck Jerry guys met me mm-hmm. and kind of like swooped me from my job and and w- around what year is this? 
That was 2016. 16. So Thrillist was already like a pretty established. Like, yeah, they were doing great. I mean, I was so happy. That was like such a jump for me yeah. and with all the benefits and kind of, you know, I felt finally like I could move out of that that really bad apartment. And I did. So I moved out of Brooklyn and I decided to move into Manhattan. That was like my dream. I didn't want to live in Brooklyn. And um, like moving to New York, that was kind of like my hope is to end up close to work, to walk to work. And um and had you made like friends in New York at this point or were you, were you yeah no just... all my friends were there oh, okay. like my okay. San Francisco friends all moved so it was mm. a blessing that like in again in the arts like I said like there's nowhere else that pays like New York yeah so after San Francisco is just a why natural... do you think that is um, it's the culture around you know I think if you're soaked in it your whole life you appreciate it and so when you start a company let's say one day you're gonna remember the times you spent at the Met. Mm-hmm. as a child whatever and appreciate the fine whatever like the, you know so you you appreciate the like elements that go into all these like things that eventually you know and all the stores you saw growing up in Manhattan that were better than the other stores and survived and whatever you pick up on nuances that somebody maybe in like a small town might not care mm-hmm. about cuz everything looked the same right so i think those those people kind of like look at it a little differently but um yeah, and you mentioned Fuck Jerry, right? Which is obviously, for those who have seen the documentaries or know anything about Fire, was, you know, the, the guys from Fire hired uh, Jerry Media, which Fuck Jerry was. So Fuck Jerry started as an, as an Instagram account, right? Where they were like doing memes and then eventually they grew so big that they started their own agency, Jerry Media, right? Um, is that. Yeah, so the story him? goes a little bit different. Is like this guy, Crispy Shorts and Elliot, Fuck Jerry. Yeah. Kind of met, kind of started doing like these little collabs. Just they were like two New York guys who mm. just had to successful accounts and we're like what could we do and eventually it turned into like elliot got all these ad pieces crispy did all these like videos and they were like let's try to connect and make you know like a video ad mm-hmm. and they did and it like i forget who it was for it was semi-funny i don't even remember it was like potty humor kind of like mm-hmm. you know like nothing too elaborate and it took off and and then yeah. it started to be their like modus operandi of just approaching a client as like two dudes who have successful accounts yeah who can make you like this cool video and then push it through this guy's bigger page and then mm-hmm. kind of like mm-hmm. this back and forth that they had built and st- slowly started building out like more and more and more eventually like the the meme side had more to it like the video side only had this one guy mm-hmm. but he at least was like making funny videos so how many people were working at, at Jeremy we were like 20 at one point with interns wow. but i think the core team is like 13 like the the founding team is like f- four yeah and the co-founding is like 10 total and you with look at these the, like the four inst- yeah and especially at the time like you look at these big instagram accounts and you just think like there's one person behind it and it's like just like memes yeah and like, it was you know whole like team slowly slowly he started it and like uh those so from two dudes they brought in um Crispy brought in his a friend from Delaware who is in the the Netflix doc. He's the CEO. Mm-hmm. He was brought in as the CEO from he had experience from another tech startup he had that um, um he left and then um this this guy that grew up with Elliot in Brooklyn became his kind of business and side what was of Elliot, things. Like what did it, how, what was like. Who, who who was Elliot? Just kind of somebody. He's a really quiet guy, you know. Yeah. He, you'd expect him to be hilarious and loud and yeah. like the fat Jewish, and he's like, <laughs> he's the absolute opposite of the fat Jewish. Yeah. He's like a good Jewish boy who just like grew up in Brooklyn and like he started a family like early on. He's like super young, yeah. has a baby, just like yeah. not. 
He probably just funny. he didn't think he he fell into this. He didn't think that it was he gonna be He fell into it, but he also pushed it, you know, yeah. at a certain point. Like yeah. he also realized it and went for it. Like he's right. not stupid, but he also didn't plan it. Like right. it was not some. It wasn't big strategized plan. and ex- executed no. as planned. Even his name, why when people right. ask him about the fuck Jerry name is yeah. not a great story. <laughs> it's like I was just sitting there watching Seinfeld and watching and signing up for Tumblr and Oh my god! I said, "Fuck this guy!" Like it was just like I was. Th- <laughs> yeah. I used to think to myself, "Like you gotta like fake a story." Yeah, you like you need some. Yeah, we've to. had that several times. Where we've interviewed people. Last time was this band called Capital Cities, mm. and we're like, "Why Capital Cities?" They're like, "Honestly, like we were trying to think of the capital of Delaware or something like that." And then we're like, "Why not Capital Cities?" <laughs> you I was like, really? You couldn't scenarios. come up with a better story after yeah. the fact? Like yeah. just light yeah. us and be like, "You traveled to every city in the United States and came up with the Capital Cities." Like something right. that's like interesting. You know, like you have to. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I never yeah. understood it, but he's yeah. he's kind of like that. He's like everything to him just is nonchalant, not right. a big deal. Yeah. Right. And I don't know if he's he's he acts coy about it because he's been quote unquote famous now for a while, but mm-hmm. he really does carry himself that way of just like this interview is fine. Yeah. Whatever. Like, yeah. yeah. Warren, how did you meet the fuck Jerry guys? And how did you become part of the team? Yeah, so while I was at Thrillist, I had this um month of moving from Brooklyn to Manhattan. Okay. Where I was, you know, there was a big shift in rent. It was about three times the rent. So I was like, I had to kind of crank it up. And I was like freelancing hardcore just to like catch up with myself. Eventually, like it evened out once I started making the Thrillist paycheck. But um, going from freelance to that was a rough one. And so I also, I wasn't planning um, the hire correct, like on uh, exactly with like my life it just happened and right. i just had this trip to italy planned and like i needed some extra money and um i wanted to not have like an italy trip where like i used to go backpacking in asia i wanted this trip to be like a, like a nice one i've mm-hmm. been working so hard and just moved myself into manhattan i felt like i earned it mm-hmm. and i was like just felt like a bougie guy yeah, yeah. it's just like i'm going to eat the pasta yeah, yeah that's yeah, really yeah, it yeah, yeah. and like I'm, no I'm one came with me yeah, yeah. yeah no one came with me none of my friends had like time off it was like thanksgiving and they yeah. were like who the hell do you think you are and i was just like <laughs> taking care of myself giving yeah. thanks to myself yeah seriously fuck you yeah. well it was it was more it was cheaper it was like a thousand bucks to go from new york to la for thanksgiving hmm. and it was like 250 round trip to italy and i was like Sorry, mom and dad. Okay, first but of all, where do you find those tickets? Just New York, man. It's just like a thing out there. <laughs> underground, but um, <laughs> underground, yeah, yeah really. Um, so yeah, so I'm like, I'm like at night. It's like two in the morning, just laying in bed, thinking of like, where do I get a thousand dollars, like in like fourteen days? And I'm like thinking of all my clients who needs like work right now. Who can I just like hit up and be like, hey, you need some new stuff? Like, trust me. Could one logo cover that? What can one? Oh, I'm still trying to figure logos out. Logos can get way, way yeah, higher yeah. than that. I mean, I know easily. someone that charges like ten thousand dollars for logos. You can get. I've heard of quarter million dollar logos. I've heard of multi million dollar logos. Logo of all time. I think Pepsi got a two million dollar logo. Yeah, I mean, but how much did that cost? Yeah, is like thirty dollars or something. Yeah, thirty dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's yeah. that stuff too. I mean, there's they're all across yeah, the board. It's yeah. really again just like yeah. what. So how'd you get that thousand bucks? It sounds like you did. So yeah, so I kind of sat there, and the day before I was on. On, I have a dual monitor at Thrillist, and I'm like, one, my boss was out, so I had nothing to do all day. And um, one day, I'm just putting up Crispy Shorts' like, Instagram videos, and I'm just looking at his whole... His, he had a vlog at the time, also, off of the Instagram, and I watched his whole vlog, and just thought he's hilarious at the time. I was like a huge fan of his like content, and right. just thought like... 
it's it's different. Like he's shooting different. He's doing something interesting, and but he's like so he's onto something, but he doesn't know it. Mm. I'm, I was like, I see that there's like a a room here for his own branding, and this is just like my like designer brain just doing its own thing. Like I'm watching comedy, and I'm like, this guy needs branding. Yeah. <laughs> so. It just, you know, I put that to the side and kept going on with my day. And then when I'm like racking my mind at whatever hour of the night, I was like, that's it. And I hit him up. I just, I saw him a few weeks before that in Soho because um, Thrillist is around there. So I ran into him during lunch, took a selfie with him and like, which is so sad to say now. <laughs> and he, he gave me his like contact info, you know, to like send it to him. I was like, yeah, cool. So I had it. It's a good like hack. Take a selfie to get somebody's right, totally. And I emailed him um, at that hour, and just that was the last thing of the night. You know, two in the morning, last thought. Those are the best thoughts, man. It was really good. It was really good. So I launched it at two, went to sleep, and um, I woke up around seven. And I have an email from him being like, whatever, back and forthing until we eventually met up for coffee at twelve. And what what did you tell him? Like you're just like, hey, I was just like, I don't know if you remember me. Blah blah blah. This is me. I think um, you know I've been watching all of your stuff. Just what I said to you. Like I think you know you are doing something unique, and I think you're onto something, but you're missing it. You're like your branding is off, and I think you could really push things. And I think I gave him examples of other YouTubers right. that are like crushing right. it, and like, um, and he was like, you're spot on. You know, I've been thinking it, and I've been like saying it. And no one listens to me. Like mm. at fuck Jerry, that I've been like. I need a better look, you know, even like the fuck Jerry squiggle is something. Yeah. yeah. And he had like all these like, random elements that were him and uh, like his Instagram, his YouTube, all of it was different. And he was like, I'll entertain the thought, like, what do you want to do? And I was, and I basically pitched him this grandiose idea for a thousand bucks. It was like kind of stupid. <laughs> um, I really was like, I could, you know, make a ton of money off of this, but yeah. I, I just wanted the relationship and the money quickly yeah. to get in and out. You don't want there to be any reason for him to say no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just, it wasn't money. really I just like... a thousand bucks. I don't give a fuck who up you front. Yeah. yeah, it yeah. wasn't really like about a client relationship yeah. because I was at Thrillist. I didn't need right. a client. Right. I was actually well, like weaning off of, of uh, freelance work at that point and trying to like get back on a normal sleep schedule. And his was just like for the hell of it. So got in, got out. But it turned into so from two in the morning we met from I messaged him at two in the morning we got coffee at twelve. Um, that was Wednesday. He was impressed um, and blew my mind, saying things like, "Do you want to work for yourself for the rest of your, or do you want to work for Thrillist for the rest of your life?" And just like, you know, do you 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 should quit and like work for yourself and like you know like all these like and you're like I've been doing that for many years now. Yeah, just like, like talking like, said than done, yeah. bro. like I'm well, I told I straight up said that to his face. Yeah. I was just like, I don't know what your like angle is, bro. Like yeah. I don't have money for that. Like yeah. who do you like who do you think you're like now living the influencer lifestyle? Like you can't right. come around me like saying that, you know. And he's like, no, absolutely, and like that's what I had to face. I quit my like finance job and. And this is what it took, and this is where I'm at, and this and this and this, and I and I I think you should join us. And I was like, what? Who's us? And he's like, yeah, me and like fuck Jerry and this guy and this guy and this. And we're like doing stuff. We have like an office around the corner. I was like, you haven't. I was so confused. You didn't know. You thought it was like same thing. I thought right. It was like an account. Yeah, you thought, but, he, you thought it was like a real life meme. Like, well, no. There's two me? things. There's there's um. So at Thrillist, I was a like I have my friend that helped me get that interview. I would send her in the like group chat. 
these um these memes that were like for sure ads that I was I would send it to her and be like, what do you think of this uh, this meme? Mm. I'm like, this is an a, a Bumble ad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, for sure, right? And she's but they like, weren't explicit about it, right? No, it was like so hidden. It, no, 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 it was so hidden back yeah, then. It was yeah. like you could you didn't have to write any like. It was be- great because like they didn't have a face to it, right? Like I, I mean, I remember right. reading it saying like Elliot Tabell. Is that how you spell Tabelli? Yeah, Tabelli. And like, but there was no face to it. It was like that squiggly thing. Right? That too, like, but it was just like with even without that, it was just like the content just felt great. It wasn't an ad. It was hilarious. I was like, it was like um, I remember it. It was like a a rabbit, and around him was like a perfectly like a like perfect concentric circles around him that that are like of carrots. Mm-hmm. So like an ocean of carrots around one rabbit, and it just the caption was something along the lines of like when you download Bumble after becoming single or something like yeah. that. You know, like something dumb, but yeah. it's like yeah. relatable. And it's an ad now, but back then it was like 2016 and things weren't like that yet. And I was like sending it to her during work hours, just being like, this is an ad, right? And her just being like, I don't know, get back to work. Like, what are you talking about, dude? This is a meme. And just sending her another one the next day being like, look, He's talking about Bumble again. Just like, why would he just randomly talk about Bumble? Like, mm-hmm. dudes don't just randomly talk about dating apps. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just being like, am I going crazy? I feel like I'm going crazy. And she's like calling me crazy, and just like putting that aside. And just that's whatever. Now I'm like feeling crazy. And then fast forward to this whole like staying up till two in the morning thing with crispy shorts. So it's two different avenues, you know. And I didn't even know that they they know each other. So now when I'm at coffee with crispy, he's telling me that they've teamed up. And now this whole thing is making sense to me. It all clicked. And they're all in in the neighborhood. Like it's like a triangle. It's like right. the fuck Jerry office, Thrillist, uh where I see them usually. I saw Elliot also during like coffee breaks in Soho and uh kind of where I live and went out as well. So I would like, like my whole world was just yeah. in this one neighborhood. And basically he told me all this stuff, like blowing my mind about like working for yourself, like living this influencer lifestyle. And I like shot back, like, I can't stop, you know, like, what are you talking about? And then he's like, well, maybe you can, why don't you like be a co-founder and like found the design team and da, da, da. he's like, I want you to meet the rest of the team. And I was like, all right, dude, I was, how many, how big were they at the point? At that point? They were like, um, five or six hmm. and they were, um, they were just like, you know, they were like the the couple dudes who had the accounts and then maybe they found like three people off Craigslist who were handling like posting and not coming. even just like like who would come up with those memes though? Like them or yeah, like that's so, the thing like the three people off Craigslist were like not even content. It was like helping in the office to clean it and like oh. it was like but those people <laughs> evolved. Was stocked. They eventually evolved into content makers, but they were like just random people in the office. Like there was nobody relevant to what they were doing yeah. on the job. But was that was that, was that what they were doing all day? Like just coming up with content and like meme ideas and things or kind of like I said off before we started the interview, I was telling you I started in about a month I didn't work and it was yeah. just like researching I did like research on what we had a few travel accounts. They had like an account that was like a million plus followers that they were trying to convert into like a travel account. Mm-hmm. Um, not memes. It was just travel related stuff. And then like boss homes or like one of those things. It's like just trying to like, like get into like travel related things to yeah. start hitting up like travel related industry um, mm-hmm. media and like reach out to make themselves be more than just memes and kind of like um, content creators in different 
categories and verticals. And um, so, yeah, I just did research in the beginning on like an alternative travel page, you know. Mm -hmm. So I would create like different layouts over and over and over. Just none of it hit. I just didn't understand at the time what I was doing. And and you were saying earlier that you were just like you were kind of just bored for like that first month after you started, right? Yeah. So back to that that coffee date with Crispy, he um, then interviewed, he was like, come meet the team. So Thursday night, Wednesday and Thursday night, I pulled all nighters mm-hmm. at my apartment, just redoing my entire website. I was just like, this is insane. Mm-hmm. I can't believe these guys exist. I have to like get in on this, you Step know, my game up. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I uploaded everything I did at Thrillist and um, met with them on Friday. So Wednesday to Friday by Friday, um, I met with them around like whatever, 11, 12, Met with them for an hour at a coffee, the same coffee shop, <laughs> which is crazy. Like at Thrillist, you couldn't get off lunch for like five minutes. So I was really like sweating it. I was like rushing this whole coffee thing. And then I like darted back. I had an all hands on meeting, like my whole department. And um, I'm sitting there and like we're talking to the whole department. And um, I get a phone call within an hour of, of leaving them. And they, uh, I, I decline. Unfortunately, I was like, so stressed out with them calling me in this meeting. I was like, I can't. And uh, I ran out, took the call, and they just offered me, like, co-founder, stock option. Wow. You know, like, all these things that I've never... And you're, like, what, 24, 25? I was 26. Okay. But still, it was, like... It was, like, two years ago, two, three years ago. So I was 25. Yeah. 25 or 26. But at the same time, it was weird for me going from like I needed a thousand bucks a week ago yeah, to like my whole life just changed. And they were like talking to me that way too. They were like, you know, we we're valued at X amount right now. So you're automatically valued at that with what we're offering you. And we're not going to sell under X amount. We're going to be the next vice. We're going to be the next, you know, that's why we, they wanted like and a was travel. It like a profession- Did you get a sense that was like a professional operation at that point? Or was it, was it just like these guys just like hacking together this whole it thing felt and professional in the way we were talking okay our so, like, email communication like risk like you knew that there was like this was gonna i went into their office at the time and it was in chinatown um this was the first first office the one i started out was in soho which is like super fancy and you would not imagine like these guys could pull off an mm. office like that mm. uh the first one was like it made sense it was like in chinatown it was like one desk everyone huddled around and like no conference room which later I found out was why they took me to the meet in the coffee shop. <laughs> um, but at the time, it was supposed to look cool, you know? Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, so they wooed me in by all that stuff and, and understanding that I have this diverse background. Like I've done graphics the size of skyscrapers in San Francisco in interior graphics. I've done, you know, print for Levi's. I've worked for Filter doing Toyota. Gra- like I've done everything in every section of my industry inadvertently like i didn't choose my path to be so chaotic but now i know how to do anything like Mm -hmm. i said like if you wipe my portfolio tomorrow i have the skills of any type of medium like in Mm -hmm. graphics i Mm -hmm. could you know i could survive so for them that was like everything they had no one so they were like this guy could literally build our department carry us through our first whatever and you know advise us on best case scenarios for what we're doing because they they had a few things they were working on and this was all because you just reached out to him and offered and he him was excited something. he was like this kid's just hungry and, right. and we need that did you get that thousand dollars yeah 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 totally and then i had the best <laughs> fucking trip to italy <laughs> yeah okay. i was like i just want to make sure we end that story before we move on to the next chapter yeah, yeah. no it was, that chapter ended really well yeah. um 
not really well at Thrillist. They also were really <laughs> mad at me so for how, leaving. So what you just told them that I'm leaving after like you just... Yeah, so I had to give them my two-week notice. Um, and they were so mad at me that they made me do a one-week and leave. Hmm. Which is really petty, but whatever. <laughs> but like it worked out for you. Like you wanted to go to... It worked out for me, yeah. I left for Italy right away. Yeah. I was going to work while I was gone, yeah. while I was away for them. And they were like, no, we can't have you with our laptop, so you should just leave now. The mm. seven things I did in Italy thinks the thrill is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, really. But it's, you know, but then I, I started early with Fuck Jerry. So I started right. at the Chinatown office for like three days. Mm-hmm. I helped them move. I was like trying to be a nice guy and like hard worker. So... Before I, I mean, even you started, have stock options. You right. I tried to make it look like I give a <laughs> shit. Also, you're owner. salary though. Yeah. I'm assuming you were right. It was that. It wasn't just like like equity. Like you were. No, there was salary, but yeah. the salary was also rough. So, I took a twenty thousand dollar pay cut from Thrillist to work there. That was um, in return for a temporary situation. Like they were like, by this month you'll get another eight k, and then by next year we'll bump you back to like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so a 20 K bump down from Thrillist, but I also just moved a month or two before from Chinatown or from, excuse me, from Brooklyn. So three times more my rent. Right. So I really fucked myself in every direction. Right. Um, and ended up just blowing my entire savings that year. Basically that Mm. 20 K just went back to rent. Was it a good experience though? I think so. You know, I look back at like, it was the best job I I've ever had. Until it wasn't. Right. Um, which is always the case. Which is crazy because, like, now I'm trying to think. Somebody really kind of, like, got me thinking this week of, like, what is the lesson learned from all of this? And I, I'm two years kind of past it and I'm still thinking it. I don't want to, like, jump to it. I'm not going right. to say something right now. But I think one of the funny things that I've kind of seen is that I've always been chasing that, like, perfect job. And that is one of the things, I think, from all those random jobs has been a factor is that I take the job because it has an element of wow. It's like interior design job. I worked under two super huge designers in their field. That's an opportunity that I had to take, Mm -hmm. even though it's not my industry. I was just like, this is once in a lifetime went for it. And before them, I worked for a ton of these like little startups in SF. And, and so all these little things just built up what I know now and just kind of obviously shaped what I, what I work in now. And I've picked up skills along the way because of it. And, and, and so it's funny to be like, I've searched for the perfect job. Then I found it. It was like the coolest thing. Everyone thought, you know, like I'm there for, like my family was proud of me mm-hmm. and whatever. I was, I made it with my stock options. I'm there forever. And then. Um, and was the company like growing while you were there? Like you saw like, I mean, I'm sure like. It looked like it. Yeah. I wasn't would, yeah. too involved with financial stuff, but I, I would see some things that felt a little weird and I would voice them being like, this feels like not the right step forward. Right. But again, just because I like, have an, that vested what's interest. What's an example mm-hmm. of that? Like um, the clients that they were working with or like one projects? Of the, one of the things that happened after fire is like, um, I guess I'm jumping a huge amount right now, is that That's they fine. tried to bleed me out. Mm-hmm. They gave me one client that was a $5,000 retainer, which is so, so it's nothing. Yeah. I looked at my CEO and I told him I can get logos monthly yeah. for that. Like I can, if I really wanted to, I can start monthly finding people that will pay me 5,000 for logos. And we're offering this company right now, like full package deal for 5k. I was like, I'm not working on that. Yeah. I was like, I can quit today and do my own freelance thing. 
and still have time for myself after you know like the day's over instead why am i why did you just take this on it pissed me off and i was like this isn't a move for us that you would take after fire mm-hmm. i know we're we're like totally in deficit right now but yeah. this is not makes no sense we're spinning wheels for this amount mm-hmm. You know, like we could wait a little bit longer for a bigger fish. Because you know the level of work that's going to go into it and your time is better spent chasing crazy. a bigger account than like $5,000 a month. It was crazy. I mean, the, the client yelled at us all the time. I also just half-assed it. I mean, it's always I, like that. The ones who pay the less are like the hardest to work with. He was crazy. He was absolutely <laughs> crazy. I mean, he also expected himself to be like massive for what we, yeah. whatever. I mean, that's every client. But the point is, it's like... Um, those were kind of like little moves where I was just like, it makes mm-hmm. no sense. I don't know where we're heading. And like a lot of moves that my CEO would take that he thought were these like brilliant schemes because somebody whispered in his ear and he all of a sudden started like a side venture. And it's like, you can't be doing that, bro. Like right. you're you're the the one in charge. I can't be the one telling you this is a bad move. Right. And it, I mean, that's where it ultimately got to the point where all of these things that I have learned along the way and all of these things I was telling him got to a point where, and in my cousin, she's uh, she's brilliant. She lives out here. She's a lawyer now, and she's like coming at us when she's like an intern, and with her like she had this whole uh, paper written out about the legalities of memes, and just like pitched it to my CEO, and he like loved her and wanted to like work with her, and then she worked at she interned at like this massive uh, like legal. Uh, firm that at the time was kind of pioneering things like that and they were interested in working with us just to kind of create legal framework in in like the states around copyright and stuff they were excited to work with us on a bigger scale you know and i was trying to bring them in to like help us we didn't even have lawyers and so i'm like bringing in lawyers i'm bringing in like i was trying to hire people in hr i was hiring doing designers everything. i was doing everything and i was just like i don't understand I didn't even understand that at the time. Right. Again, I have equity, and for me, this is just like I'm just cl- cleaning my store at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Like mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. just because I'm proud of it. Yeah, and I think we could touch a lot upon that, you know, later on. But <clears throat> I think that what kind of came before this, and you know, how this all came to be, was the Fire Festival, right? Yeah. And you know, you guys got hired by Fire Festival to essentially run their. Uh, was it their marketing essentially like the design and the marketing because i remember when i was watching the hulu documentary you were also leading the social media for them and i think you still own the fire festival uh uh username which is what i'm most curious about is how do you still run that account so the, yeah I'll let me backtrack a little bit yeah, yeah backtrack and then i want yeah, well, you're, you're not gonna leave this place without no, no, you're, at, you're at jerry media <laughs> and how, what happens how, did, how does the whole fire festival thing happen so yeah i started with them and like i said for a month i'm sitting around and there's nothing there's like these little so you're small, like regretting this decision not regretting because it's still fun and like the people in the office are like hilarious i'm just like i can't believe this right. is a, a real job <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i'm just like i'm just like a in amazement because i'm coming from corporate yeah. america and i'm like these dudes are now playing like they're playing basketball in in this office and knocking over everything and it's like the ceo's like now in on it and i'm Mm -hmm. like he's not getting mad um so yeah it was kind of this shift of just like adapting until and just trying to stay professional being like you know it's like you you don't want to be the guy who's like yeah i party like you want to like ease into that yeah so it was like balancing a matter of like of like a month or so that corporate slash like letting go of corporate attitude 
And then Fire came in, and because I was the, basically the only designer there, um, or at least the only one that has had the experience of a big project, I started to get looped into these meetings and taken off of the like the stupid stuff I was doing, and it slowly started to become like a real, a real company. Right. And all of a sudden, this project was real. It was like things got very real very quick. Did it feel like that was like the big break for Jerry Media? Like they yeah. felt like this is what's going to take us the next totally. Level? Because again, like I was sitting around doing research, I'd be on Instagram and I was like, this is cool. Like my job is now like research where I just scroll through Instagram and like, you know, adapt my research into like design. It's like dream kind of, but not really. It was like a little mundane, but like looking back now, but at the time it was like revolutionary. Yeah. So yeah, it was like a breakthrough in terms of just like also for them, I could realize for them, like this is different. This is not... um, a meme that uh, like Burger King requested or whatever. So do you think that they were in that moment? Do you think that they were equipped to handle this project? They were what? Well equipped to handle the project. I think we were well equipped. Like, I mean, I, you were, I was the secret tool. So (laughs) it's like saying, was I ready? And it's like, I think I was ready. It's like, again, I, I was just not given support. A lot of times I was like, I'd have to build my own bridge to cross the water, just being like, I don't even know how to build a bridge right now, mm-hmm. you know? And so a lot of the things that I needed weren't there. So, But the cool part was that now in hindsight, you were building the bridge and then you were crossing the bridge on your own. You built those transferable skills that you didn't think in the moment were going to matter. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think, tying back to what I was right. saying earlier. So a lot of the things that at the end and then when I quit clicked for me was when I was doing all of that. And I was like, I literally pulled this whole campaign off, bringing in lawyers, bringing in all that. I'm like, I need to start my own agency. Yeah, and I'm right. telling and I'm telling him how to budget things. Mm-hmm. And my CEO can't be found. He's just, he's so ADD. The dude just would like disappear and you couldn't like find him. Phone, He's like text. the fire festival. Like you don't know where it is. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the idea was like he was bringing in the client or like well, however they, they met those fire guys and then you're just like handling the whole project. Yeah, I mean, ideally, we had like a project manager, but she eventually left after fire, yeah. or before fire. Actually, she was the fir- one of the first people to quit with mm-hmm. equity, uh, which at the time seemed like she was the idiot, but in right. hindsight, she was a genius. She saw it coming. Yeah, and um, and so we started, and everything kind of looked legit. And um, you were you in on the original meetings? Because I know that you were in on the meetings. I was on. They had, I think, one or two meetings that I didn't go to, but that was just like Elliot, Ja Rule, and Bill. Like it was like yeah. very like top top two, top three people. Right. And then the kickoff meeting, once they like agreed, I was at. So it was like the agency that yeah. we brought. Um, so we brought we came like six deep or something. And explain to like us like what the scope of the project was like from those early conversations. Like what did they want you to do for them? So the scope basically was like bring your clout. It's like Elliot has his his fourteen million followers, and our whole agency has like dozens of pages which reach about like forty million followers at the time. Mm. So it's like bringing that to the table alone was kind of the asset that was being paid for, and then slowly they got really hungry and were like, we want more. Mm. And like everywhere that they saw that there were was an opportunity to take a bigger piece, they were very, very hungry for it. And like VaynerMedia at one point, I don't think anybody really talks about this, but they were, they were the media buyers. Vayner was mm. the original media buyer. But for Vayner, this was a small, small project. Mm-hmm. And even back then, they were like kind of doing them a favor 
And immediately that favor was kind of, you know, burnt because fire just, I mean, that pun intended, but they like basically never paid their bills, Mm. even their small bills, you know, like Vayner got really mad really early and just dropped them off. And so one of the things that at fire, I mean, at a Jerry media, we would do is we would just um, fake it till you make it kind of, and just Mm. lied. We did media buying. And I basically sat with like my CEO and another dude for like a whole week in different conference rooms. We just hold up for the whole the whole day. Each one of us would like go and learn media buying on YouTube, and just come back and we'd like regroup and teach each other what we just taught like, like learned and yeah. just go back and just keep pumping out more lessons. And eventually started doing media buying. And my first media buys were like quarter million dollar buys. You know, like Jeez. crazy things that I've like never dealt with. So a lot of it was um a lot of it was just learning along the way and then picking up more parts of the project. Yeah. Like the design came after that. So mm-hmm. it it started from social, then it turned into like all design. Then I was in charge of every piece of design that was public. When they came when Fire came to you guys, did they already have their logo or is that something that you guys worked on as well? Yeah, luckily I didn't design that. It's the ugliest <laughs> thing ever. And um, it's like, yeah, if you ever... Over- you just had to use that asset in other designs, however? Yeah, like the color yeah. and the assets... I'm sorry, the logo and the colors were given to us yeah. by the people who did the booking app. Yeah, and yeah. they All were right. in the the Netflix documentary. There's like a guy with like a, like a cool haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> his cool, cool haircut. So MD Lowe, I think his name was. Yeah. He, um, I don't really know what his whole role was, but he would do these random design pieces like when I was not available. Yeah. Which was like one time basically. And uh, when we stopped because of a payment issue and uh, the other time beforehand. So he gave us the logo. But yeah, he, they gave us um, all these assets and then they gave us a website that was designed by Matt Projects. They did the trailer and that one was like too... It just their website looked too much like a Sandals Resort, and I yep. said that out loud specifically. <laughs> and they kind of liked me for being outspoken early on, which they later hated me for. They is in like billion fire, yeah. yeah. Grant specifically, <clears throat> like their marketing, yeah. their CMO, he the, loved that, me. The guy that's in Hulu and Netflix as well. He's not in the docs because he just <laughs> okay, or maybe he's being shown, but he was like he's be- he he's talked about, yeah. but he's not interviewed. Yeah, got it. He uh, loved that I tore apart Matt Projects in my first meeting. And I was instructed to do so. My CEO was like, make sure to like tear them apart. We want that piece of the puzzle. We had the social stuff, the design on social. But it was kind of dictated by them because they right. had the website that was already finished. But we hated it and we wanted that too. So I ripped them apart. Fire was like, this guy has a vision. Now you guys have the account. So mm. basically... From the first day, we took on their whole project. And then in the early days, they tried to like pin us against each other and like we'd get the same deliverables. Mm. But it was my vision, like my design language. So it'd be like them ripping me off yeah. to do the same thing. Like what you pitched to Fire, they would pitch to the other agency. It'd be like if Fire was like, all right, now we need someone to design the private jets, yeah. which was a point that happened. Um, I was on vacation. I had one week off that was also planned before fire and they let me off and I was like, they're not paying us. Can we just stop working this one week while I'm abroad? It's perfectly timed. And my CEO reluctantly said yes. And then um, in that week I had everything ready to go in case they said yes. I had it, the, the plane designs and the, the RFIDs. And in that one week, um, MD low like did it because we didn't whatever work with them for like one week. But um, 
we basically grabbed all the work and and it turned into just like uh, all the design, all the media buying, account management, community management, and just influencer outreach. Like it started to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And, I was, and you're leading this at this point. Yeah, and my CEO is just taking the money for the agency, right. and and I'm basically learning like how to deal with influencers, like project I've, managing every aspect of this mm-hmm. damn thing. Yeah, and I've never project managed really. I've never mm-hmm. dealt with influencers mm-hmm. and how do they kind of expect things and their managers and. Or I'm curious, schedules. from day one, did you think that this idea, one, was it, did you think it was a good idea? And two, did you think that it would actually come to fruition? I think it was a good idea because it's like, it's never been done. But I think a good idea is not always a good thing to execute. You know, and obviously, like, this could have been done. I think, like, you... An extra year. An extra couple years, to be honest, but it could have been done. It's just no, really, <laughs> it's like decade, no. <laughs> it's no because yeah, they really did project. need to big villas. Like they pitched villas. Like you're not. I'm from LA. Like every villa in this yeah. valley takes a year to to get built out. My right. dad's an architect. I know what it takes to build a villa. You're not putting villas in six months. So I think just that and the infrastructure to for you know food and like hygiene, whatever on on an island that has nothing alone would have taken. A long time, but um, so it's it's a good idea, and I think the market's still out there. Somebody's definitely going to try to attempt it. I think um, whether it was executed right, obviously wasn't, and I I couldn't picture it at the time. I was just telling somebody this recently, like our worst case scenarios in society, especially in America, where we handle like there's usually like a standard for things. Is if something goes bad, at the worst, it's like. It's safely handled. People mm-hmm. tell you to go home and you'll be refunded. We're mm-hmm. sorry. Right. Like we tried and we, we didn't tried get, we didn't or like yeah. you know, there's like there's not really worst case scenarios than that. And yeah. like we don't have as a society and thank God actually that we don't have like these worst case scenarios that when you're in these meetings thinking what's the worst that can happen, you're not thinking it can't in, happen. International disaster. <laughs> yeah. People stranded on oh, islands. There's like, that, yeah, there's nothing time. like. Well, now yeah. they can. <laughs> well, now, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and that's absolutely it. And I think they pioneered that. <laughs> no, and and I think that's a great um, segue to how do I own or yeah. what, the things that with the account <laughs> yeah. now is people tag me now. Every single day, I get a dozen tags, and that's in. how we like met. We were because right. Pat and I do this segment called After Hours, and we were discussing the fire festival, and we just tagged it in one of the stories, and you reached out to us. So we're like, perfect. Yeah, because yeah, I think it's really funny. I mean, people, <laughs> yeah. the word, the word is kind of taken on its own um, as a synonym for just disaster or right. chaos right. or yeah. s- something shitty or right. whatever. So. You know, every festival. Our relationship was a fire festival. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> we how thought it existed, it. but it didn't. Right. <laughs> that's how that works. So people at Coachella this weekend tagging me in things. People at Ultra a few weeks ago tagging me in things. And yeah. everything's just like that is like the standard. And so now, yeah. So at Ultra, I don't know if you guys paid attention. Mm-hmm. No, but Ultra in Miami, I think. Miami, yeah. yeah, they had this big issue getting people off of this island, oh, the transportation. Wow. Oh my God. So people started walking off of it, and it was like a few miles. People started joking. It's called the Ultra 5K. Oh my and it's, God. people were walking for hours to get Jeez. off of this island onto the mainland. And it was, it was like, you know, a disaster of its own. Obviously, and, and not to the same scale, but people are now thinking like Ultra is, is a failure. It's fire or whatever. And people are saying like, 
they shouldn't have been on that island. It wasn't like built for that. No one thought it out. And it's again, that's that's where minds are now going to. Yeah. Minds are now going to the other use case that got to that level. So, yeah. you know, maybe one day you'll see the one that gets even crazier, right. but um, hopefully not. Something I'm really curious about because um, we talked about this on our segment too mm-hmm. is um, this kind of idea. Where like you know I don't know if you saw the inventor the one about uh, Elizabeth Holmes and yeah. Theranos like very similar situation where it's a, this kind of grandiose idea and this big thinker and big visionary who wants to execute this thing and it's really easy I mean obviously this was fraud like when you really investigate you saw what was happening behind the scenes but in hindsight it's really easy to look back I mean like that couldn't happen that would never happen this and that but at the time at, in those early meetings and conversations like did, was there any like you know just possibility that not like that it wouldn't work or like we wouldn't pull this off but it's like this guy is like completely frauding people and it's like just he's like a totally you know again it's like nobody can assume the worst but um the difference also in this scenario is that like you said billy was committing wire fraud behind the scenes which is something that um i thought he was doing it after too right he was doing it after and these are things that i didn't know so it's like when I took blame originally for myself, like I felt it's like I was part of this whole shit show and like I was mad at myself for, for helping it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize that I couldn't have stopped it because this guy's doing something on his own behind closed yeah, doors. Like he hired you guys as an agency. Like what He lied to me even though like it's not a pity party. It's not about me. It's like there's all these people that were duped also by this dude. So he's playing this like idiot behind closed doors and he's you know, fueling this whole like lie. And Mm -hmm. so it's getting bigger and bigger, but what you're seeing might sound crazy, but is moving forward. But what he's doing is actually dismantling it, you know, from behind. And so the same with Elizabeth Holmes, like, like it could have very easily worked if, I mean, that one's more like scientific and this is like, but like it could have very easily worked if it was planned well and all that stuff, like, like all that, lying and frauding and things like that like that was right. like it's like it's like a separate like story in a well way. see yeah. the, the thing with 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 billy in my opinion is that and with the fire festival is like you kind of said if there was enough time it could be done it's not something like that's not been done like it hasn't been done on that scale right but it's a festival like well, it's, it's a music, music it's food like it's nothing you're not creating a blood you know fucking like yeah. shot right? right right but the problem is he just was defrauding people years before that mm-hmm. who he was still who he still owed money to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so his whole scheme was i need to make money fast pay other some other people pay money make money fast pay the other people that i just mm-hmm. you know yeah. took money from again so like for him time was of the essence yeah. you know that was my kind of theory was sure. like he had to do it that quickly because then he was going to you know get fucked by not paying somebody else so and that's kind of how we worked a lot right every time like i said i went to spain for a week and in that one week he's looking somebody at fire was looking for money something yeah exactly and somewhere it came out of you know the blue and i got a text at like barcelona local time like midnight that we're good to go and mm-hmm, i'm like yeah. well we saw the netflix one where he's like just lying to this investor who's like just throwing money yeah i mean it was kind of like again i'm not close enough to like the money part of his dealings but it was like that it was coming um, somewhere well on a weekly basis we would be in our team being like we didn't get paid and being like don't worry i got word that billy is closing another xyz by next week oh don't worry by next week but it's like constantly and he would deliver and he would deliver and it was crazy it was like he's hell of a fundraiser yeah i never even thought of it i was just like that's just what he does he's a ceo like i never even thought twice of like 
if I had to raise a million today, like actually today is fine. I don't know, yeah. but like it's a little hard to just like you know raise money right. out of like week over week over week, mm-hmm. um, and with no like real results. Sure. I mean, I guess he was getting himself pretty deep. Like I, I, I learned a lot of this watching the documentaries <laughs> of just the amount of interest he was yeah. picking up on these things. But, um, you know, these are all these are all things that he was moving so fast. Right. And I think that's one of the lessons that I keep telling people is like, mm. one of the things that you could do from now on is just slow down. Is, right. Is obviously not a bulletproof scenario where you do research the CEO of a music festival <laughs> and his his past endeavors and what his family does and whatever. Like, you're not going to do that for everything you do in like every decision. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing you could one layer down even to see that Billy had magnesis going on is something we didn't even look at. Right. And that alone is slowing it's like down. doing the due I diligence. Mean, but also yeah. as an agency that's kind of, I don't want to just call it starting up, but you guys were kind of starting up. Well, the A difference, project like this could have completely changed the future for that company and for each of absolutely. you individually. So, I mean, we that looked is at a it bet that, that you're going to be willing to take. You're going to be willing, even if you did the research, you're going to be thinking, okay, nothing happened with magnesis. He didn't get in trouble. Maybe he came, maybe he is a more ethical person now. And, and like you said, like the worst that happened is like they don't pull it off, right. but we still pull this like crazy thing right. off. And you like, still get paid. Right. Yeah, we still I do. get paid. Yeah. And that's, that's a lot of what we were thinking. But the other point that is not really talked about is that one of Elliot Fuckjerry's childhood friends is one of the main fire guys. Oh, wow. Mm. So they were like boys, you know, they grew up together in Brooklyn. They were like, and that's how he got this project? Yeah. They are basically like grew up together. Uh, one of them went this direction. His dad is like something. And he basically became the, one of the investors in the project. But he's also like he's dated like Selena Gomez. And mm, he's yeah. got that kind of world. And so he kind of brought that in. And, and so he, his role was also very loose. Mm-hmm. Just He was like 23 also. Mm. Like everybody on that team is like 23, 24, right. 25. And so they're all just like, I could do this because of X, Y, Z of what I've done. But, you know, ultimately um, it came down to the trust of growing up with somebody. And then this also, yeah, this could have been for both agencies a great thing. For sure. And Orrin, I know that for me, like one of the most memorable memorable parts of the Fire Festival was the design and the video and everything that kind of came with it. And, you know, Pat and I... Uh, a couple of years ago, we started our own kind of agency as well. We've since not we're not doing that because it was just a pain to deal with clients, sure, um, and a bunch of other reasons as well. But you obviously felt it felt to me that you were very passionate about the project because the work the the output was incredible, right? And I know in the documentary, in the the Hulu documentary, you talk about kind of the the, the reasoning for the. You know, the orange or what was it like an orange block or orange kind of like orange, spray, yeah. orange uh, thing that came out. I mean, how, I, I know you did the research, but wh- how did that come about? Like, you know, did anybody have to approve that? Did the fire guys say, yeah, that's the thing? Like, tell me a little bit about that process. Yeah. So the the fire guys were funny in the beginning that they like were so starry eyed by Fuck Jerry that they were just anything we said was official. You know, yeah. the golden tile. I'm sorry, the orange tile. The orange um, tile, yeah was approved immediately. It was like, they were so ecstatic for this idea. They thought we were like g- geniuses. They just like, did you think you were a genius for that? I thought I was just like doing my job. I really did not think of it. Like, it's so funny to me now where people are like, yeah. it's brilliant. And I'm like, it's cool that it ended up this way, but right. we were just like... It could have easily not ended up this way. No, but you know what? Well, 
it wasn't. It, yeah. it was just like a campaign and right. it did its job yeah. and it moved on. Right. And like nobody really talked about it too much during the festival because there was like Kendall Jenner and whatever, right, right. like other bigger things. Now it's brilliant because it's like whatever. But right. it's funny to look at it now and um, and think of the original thought process and just being like the things that I learned in color theory class in college hmm. and being like, this will never be useful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it really ended up being very useful. And just the thing that I learned in school was amongst other things, um, one good example of a color use is UPS. Mm-hmm. Their trucks are so they're brown in general is copyrighted. They have like really? their own. Is like a Pantone color or like it's their own. They wow. created their own color. So first of all, it stands out. Nothing in society is that brown, <laughs> and not only is it not that brown in general. When you're looking in a city or whatever setting, nothing is a big block of brown. Like it's just a thing that kind of stops you right, yeah. and and kind of has its own presence, and. Um, the other thing with with what I wanted to do was knowing that these models that are these influencer models are going to be posting, they're all basically in the same genre of models. They're all right. Victoria's Secret elite mm-hmm. level mm-hmm. models. Mm-hmm. So if you're the type of person who follows models like this, um, you probably follow like that's like I don't know. I don't actually follow models, but I assumed you would just follow like the biggest, or you just follow small ones because you're right. into like the arts or whatever. Yeah. Let's just say, call it that way. And then, <laughs> or you feel like they're more like, you know, reachable than like, sure. Startup, yeah. startup, relatable yeah. startup models, startup. <laughs> so I, I kind of assumed they would be all on your feed and, and you would like see one after another, after yeah. another. And I wanted it to be like a big UPS truck, just pulling up to your view and just parking in front of you. Mm-hmm. And it kind of turned into that. And so if six of these models that you follow you know, posted it at once. It's just a big stripe, a big orange stripe. Instead. It was all like at like one, like one. Yeah, so they posted at the same time, same day. Everything was coordinated. And you did the coordination? Um, it was a multi-pronged effort. There's so many models right. or whatever, but the idea was mine. It was just eventually the execution. We needed all the hands we can get. Yeah. So we're gonna throw you on a group chat and like yeah. send a quote. I'm sorry, send a send a text. And yeah. you're joking, but I had a few of these. <laughs> really, I, I had like all the world's biggest models on like group chats for a while. Like like a multi like because Instagram only has I think 25 people can fit in a group chat. Yeah, yeah. Instagram or uh, iMessage. Instagram. Oh, Instagram, yeah. yeah. The, and I think in, iMessage is 20. Yeah, so in the yeah. DM. I, I never even handled like yeah. uh, text messages. Right. It was just DM everything. Right. So we handled this whole thing in, in the DM. And um, I would create these groups, like these like supermodel groups, yeah. and just like throw like out pods. Pods, yeah, yeah. And be like, hey, I need you all to post like, uh, you know, this at three, whatever. Here's the instruction, et cetera. And then you'd always get this like brilliant person in the in the group just being like, I don't get it. And just like <laughs> just messing everything up or like complicating something that's so simple. Like one yeah. person Kendall. Yeah, like at one point there was like one we had like a smaller festival lead up tour yeah, that yeah. was in like different cities like San Francisco, yeah. like whatever, Washington, DC, I think had one. And um, local like influencers had to post and write like, I'm so excited uh, to be the brand ambassador for whatever the the Los Angeles based tour and where it would say like Los Angeles we wrote fill in your city in brackets <laughs> and people would just post with fill, fill in, in your, your city, city. <laughs> and i would get into these group chats being like you like please like person like and these people just like never check their dms and just uh it was they posted it themselves 
these models? Some of them do, yeah. yeah. Some of them have like agents, like the really yeah. big ones have agents, um, which... And I just remember the internet broke the, that day. Yeah. I sure. just remember seeing that everywhere. Yeah. It, yeah, it was, it was definitely bigger than we even expected. We were like, you know, we pitched ourselves as like these internet whatever gurus and whatever. We didn't, we'd never done like anything that big and like even with fuck jerry's page it's like we've never really like tested our power to the limit um so it was really cool like we tested things prior to that that were really small like i would make memes that had the words that the the like slang would be spelled in a certain way mm-hmm. and i would start seeing that way of spelling carry out on the internet being like whatever that's maybe a coincidence and just like small little things you know um so it's cool to like yeah it was cool to see how that works and then all the models that didn't get invited to do that, that wanted to post it on themselves, and random strangers who just love Ja Rule, who posted it, and people from the Bahamas who are just proud that it's coming to their island, posting it, and yeah. it turned into this thing where I wasn't even expecting all that. I was just yeah. like, it's just going to be Kendall and whatever, and it's just going to move forward, and it's... And the goal is to get them on the Fire Festival page, right? Because they were tagging Fire Festival. Uh, no, that like orange the viewers, tower. the viewers... No, on the orange tile, they were tagging the Fire Festival. No? Yeah, so they tag it and they'd be like, "I'm so excited to be part right. of uh, the, Fire I, Festival." I was asking that, that was the goal was to get them to the Fire Festival. Page yeah, and yeah. Then and then Kendall had her own like coupon code right, that was right. like for and Christmas. At that point, the website was like sign up basically or buy your. It was up. It was up and ready. Yeah, yeah. You could buy tickets. It was just the point was there were like few different like levels of launches mm-hmm. for different things. And do you even know like I mean was that like on the fireside how much um, fireside how much they were um, paying these like influencers like was that even like anything? I think the only one that's public is the Kendall one and that was like a quarter excuse me quarter million like cash. Oh good. I, I can't Good confirm it, but that's yeah. what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So how do you own this Instagram account? Right. So I was <laughs> the only person on the account. I mean, I ran it. Like <laughs> That's crazy. Like not even they didn't even have the login. They I think had access to it at one point, but they just never used it. There was no they, point. They caught him before he had a chance. <laughs> they just never used it. I was the only person posting. Like I said, I was doing all the work. So it's like you never got investigated anything like that? So I took it offline after I quit. I just I knew they were building their documentary out, and I knew what they were like aiming they to being do. The Netflix guys, fuck Jerry, and I just I thought you know like it's just not right to let them have it. They're just right. they're all their reasons are wrong for this project. They didn't even want me involved when I was in the office before I quit. Like I'd heard of meetings happening, and I'm like, I'm just sitting here on this like and not working. I have no work at, like for weeks at a time. Why was that though? Was it was it like? They, uh, I thought they were trying to bleed me out on purpose, and then uh, Page Six reached out to them to confirm, yeah. and I didn't know that they would reach out, and the CEO confirmed, so that was confirmed. Confirmed that they were trying to bleed, bleed you Treat, out? Tried to bleed me out after fire, just giving me no work, gave me that $5,000 account, and just like making me do nothing. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but it just felt like it almost was like blamed on me. Like I did fire. Like mm-hmm. it was like mm-hmm. I did this to them. They wanted to get as far away as possible from it. I but it was stupid because yeah. it was like I carried the whole agency on my back. Yeah, they right. would it's be like you nowhere. Asked me to do these things, and I like. But not only that, they had no other clients, <laughs> and they had no one even to handle this client if I wasn't there. So they should have been like, right. even if this failed, we're, we wouldn't be here without you. So thanks, like nothing. Mm-hmm. It was just like. We can't wait for this fucking like a guy to get out who basically like I was like the devil's advocate for their their like scenarios and they just hated it. So they bled me out and just like, you know, the end of uh, of that 
was kind of ugly-ish. Like it was like fake nice where they were like, take a break, you know, leave, come back to New York and maybe you can come work for us again or something. You'd probably just need to cool down. Like, yeah, you guys are so delusional. Like, good luck. And I left. And this is like around the time when they were like getting these like stupid deals, and you're, you're just like, yeah, they were doing like, like stupid. You, you were very vocal like, about it, and yeah, I, 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 they had like one side situation that they were building out this like app, and it was like this app that was like about texting, text messaging, and I was just like, nobody text message, like text messaging is like not relevant. Like, stop wasting your efforts. Like, I just couldn't believe what they were like putting their efforts into, and they never even released that app. So obviously, it was a waste of time. But yeah. so the point is, like, I left and I had this uh, this handle, and I just didn't want it to be used by them for like gain and just right. for like bad purposes. And so I took it offline. I just deleted it. I'm assuming they reached out and they tried to get like a hold of it. They reached out asking like what happened about it, and I just played coy. Like yeah. I don't like know. they didn't have the credentials. It was all. It was always mine. <laughs> So the credentials were mine. Like yeah. there was, if you look at the history of the like now after the whole uh, mm -hmm. Russia thing, like election thing, like Instagram put into big accounts like uh, an about page yeah, yeah, where you it. can see like how many emails have mm -hmm. been swapped out, how many times the name have been swapped out, and it's just been me since day one. So and like, do you own, who owns the IP? That one's tricky, and I've been trying to meet with. I've been trying to like understand it myself, and mm -hmm. different interviewers have done their own research. Right. I mean, I assume Billy no longer owns the IP if he ever did. I mean, he's not allowed. He's heard. not allowed to. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've heard that every he signed over everything to Matt and fuck Jerry. I've heard through like whispers, but I don't know. I, yeah. I don't. Who's I'm not Matt, sure. Matt, Matt Projects did the trailer, the that slick one, and um, and then I've met the photographers behind the photos. They don't even know. Like, and but they, I'm assuming they own their photos, right? They own their photos. Um, to a certain degree, there's just so so many things in this. Like it's like the models in the photos mm -hmm. are major models. Like you can't just like right, and yeah, like contract work and like who owns that? Right. Like, there's so many people that yeah. don't understand what's going on. Like I said, these photographers who shot these major models have no idea how their photos are even able to be used. <laughs> so I've been meeting with these people lately, and like I said, like people at interviews have been telling me the research they've done, reach, reaching out to the different parties and. There's there's third parties that are trying to sell merch, trying to get like in on the action. Still, huh? like, right. well, I mean, obviously, like the documentary came out recently, so it's, well, people want the merch. Like, uh, you want they want like the you know the original stuff, but then there's people who want the fake stuff, and they want to know if they can make fake, and they want to reproduce the original, and yeah, all these different like levels of it. But everyone's just trying to figure out the IP. So I, don't I feel like when it. someone looks back at like the 2010s, like that's like one of the things they're just gonna remember. Like all the kids that grew up in this like, time, it's just like. <laughs> You can't forget it. It's, just I mean, like, it's definitely going to be like uh, MTV Spring Break '98. I hope. Yeah. And I just know like you this cheesy old school thing. Yeah. I know you said you went. Right. So before you went, did you expect there to be a festival, or you knew that there was going to be nothing? Like I said earlier, I think we expected it to happen, just to be really bad. We were joking about how bad it would be the whole time, and we just assumed, you know, all these. Situations would be really poorly done. Yeah, but we would just be there and slug along and get like it. It'll be over a with. villa, but it'll be like a shitty villa, like right? More, like and we something just, might fall apart, or like yeah, and we <laughs> that's just fine. We really could not even imagine that they didn't build villas. Yeah, like, we like, just assumed like not at all. Like we couldn't fathom the fact that you offered something to that degree and just didn't produce it. Like right. so, we couldn't even believe that that. You know, that degree. Um, but yeah, we... So what was your reaction when you first got there and saw this mess? 
uh, we it took us a few hours to locate ourselves. We were just so lost. No one could find us. We were like trying to find our house. We went to like three different houses and couldn't find it. And um, eventually got ourselves to the hotel where the fire team was staying. They kind of oriented us. We just had dinner with them at this like really nice hotel and it seemed fine. You know, they just like told us to ball out and we were like, sure. And we went back to our, our, our house. And meanwhile, Billy's there. Yeah, yeah, he was like at another table doing like paperwork with his assistant. And they, how was did he seem? Because when I was watching the Netflix and the Hulu one, I was just always thinking, what was this guy thinking? Like, was I was telling my girlfriend, like, was he sleeping at night like normally? Was he like I not? I can't tell nervous? you. I I just, I know. Yeah, you you don't know his sleeping. No, but I I, but. <laughs> I assume the same because I'm a perfectionist, and if yeah. I have an issue along the way, I trip the fuck out. I trip out, and yeah. it doesn't. We don't keep going. Yeah, we're not gonna just like even gloss if it's over. not at this massive scale. If I'm like, right. if I have like a work project that I think I messed up on a little thing, and I'm like tripping out, like, oh my god, I can't wait to go fix it. Yeah, this guy's like about to defraud them yeah. like millions of dollars, right? And doesn't give a fuck. I don't know. I, I just don't understand how that type of uh, personality can be. Yeah. Can be. Yeah, I mean, I something's can't, wrong. Something's wrong. Like you have like this little like switch that's like your. Well, yeah, your, and, and that's kind of why like I liken it to the um, Elizabeth Holmes because it's right. like. It's like there's such they're thinking so big picture where like you just miss it you miss it. It's interesting because like I read the Steve Jobs biography and he's reality got, distortion field right exactly the reality yeah. distortion field keeps coming up to me now because back then I read it mm-hmm. and I was like yeah that's like a weird Steve Jobs quirk yeah and now I'm like wait no this right. might be like a CEO thing <laughs> like yeah. this like visionary CEO thing because. I remember when we got into the festival, actual grounds, there's like this little hill and you kind of hu- take the hump over down mm-hmm. into the valley where they have the, the campground. And when, I feel like that's in the vid- in the like the documentary too, like when you guys are on the bus and whatnot. Yeah, so they yeah. kind of are screaming on the bus, but I was on a golf cart, so my viewpoint <laughs> was a little bit lower on the hill. And I basically, as we were going over the hill, I remember seeing kind of like the crest, like the horizon line of, of the, the tents. And a the week, FEMA tents. Yeah, and a week before that, I was I was at MoMA, the New York MoMA, yeah, yeah. and they had an exhibition. So it was around the the height of the Syrian refugee crisis, mm-hmm. and they just brought they had a whole UN refugee um, exhibit, and they brought a tent mm-hmm. into the exhibition and opened it up so you could like walk in it and feel it and see like what it's like. Um, and so I did. Um, and a week later, I'm seeing a field of them, and I'm like. <laughs> I'm just having this crazy moment in my head of just like being deja like, vu. yeah, just being like, this is not a luxury yeah. anything. And so right as we're hitting that horizon line, I turned to my CEO and I also had that same, like, like in the movie, like, oh my God, turn this thing around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said something to him of like, this is not it. Like, this can't be it. Or like, whatever I said to him and he turns to me and looks me dead in the eye and just says something along the lines of like, no man, what are you talking about? Like, this looks awesome. This looks like some like NASA, Mars, like like future thing. And I'm like, I just remember that specific moment, like locked in eye to eye, just being like, he really thinks that. Does he? Yeah, he really thinks that. Like, I can't, I can't tell if if he's a CEO who has to build like build my morale up. He got sucked into the field, or if he's really <laughs> believing it now, and I've lost him. And I'm like, have we lost him, or am I the one that's wrong? Is he? Wrong? Yeah. I was just like, I lost my 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 myself for a moment. Like it was. <laughs> It was just like. Did you start to believe that it might have been it? Like that. Yeah, that, I was really like that specific moment for like a millisecond. Yeah. I was like, maybe he's right. 
Well, maybe both, I'm just negative. Maybe I'm just really negative and I can't be positive about yeah. this. And, and again, like we're comparing like in the case of Billy and, and, and Elizabeth Holmes, their notes, like same thing happened. Whereas like after this whole thing comes out and there's all these facts and evidence and like the, yet there's still people who were like, you know, part of that team or part of like that process that say like great things about them and that, that you know, sure. like they're Billy is the most, you know, compassionate dude and he's like a great sure. person. Yeah, it's like, well, like you saw what he did, but. You yeah, and it's funny because like I I think it's it's I've heard similar stories. Even my CEO at the time would would talk about Billy like he's he he fucked up, but he's kind of he's kind of got something like yeah. you know. And again, it's like he my CEO had this kind of aspirational CEO a thing for of, him. But a lot of founders and CEOs are like that. I don't know, but he's looking up to a CEO that's a younger than him and yeah. b doing something that's like kind of going off the rails. Yeah. But also, Billy was looking up to a CEO or some dude that Saudi Arabian oil guy, sure. who was a fucking disaster. I mean, like sure. it's just yeah. again, like these are it's there's some sort of co- like chain effect here of like people who look up to other people that are like fraudsters and they think that oh because they got ahead and didn't get caught we could probably do the same thing until you get caught because everybody gets caught especially in the united states you're gonna get caught right like it's, it's very difficult to gain that much success so quickly doing the right thing i mean i don't know i haven't seen it so <laughs> yeah no i think he's definitely in his own world of yeah and, and the thing with billy in comparison to uh elizabeth uh holmes is that billy was like doing all these projects to make money to pay back people that he had already fucked over. Like Elizabeth Holmes wasn't doing this to make money. Yeah. I feel like she really did believe it. And then at one point she decided that it's she knew it's not gonna work and still did it, which was where she went wrong. Yeah. But with Billy, I think his intentions think were always poor. He, well, I mean, but like he was obviously still trying to throw a festival and you guys were part of that. Like yeah. he saw that it was like he happening. thought he could do it. Yeah. Like he really thought that the, that his way of doing things like moving forward to pay someone off. But even if the festival happened, he was going to lose money. Yeah. But I think he figured that it would, it would just work itself out. Yeah. Like everything just works itself out. So yeah. if, if right. the festival takes off, you know, then everyone would be impressed right. and, and second in, festival, double the price. This yeah. Whatever, he would lose yeah. a little, but he would gain more than he could. Like right. that's like his, his famous quote. And I can't remember. It's like, like party like rock stars fuck like, fuck porn, like stars. porn stars whatever and that's like his whole mentality <laughs> I don't think that's his like, quote I think but I don't, I don't want to give him that much credit yeah, yeah, yeah whatever the quote is it's like the mentality that he was in was just like it was basically fuck it let's yeah. just yeah. do it and yeah. that and that I think is, is right. the wrong mentality for, for the sure. start for sure so you put this fire mess behind you now I hope uh, I know the documentary just like recently came out so it's still fresh and you have this account is there a future with this fire festival account like what's the goal with it I don't think there's a future. I kind of think it's like internet history and I want yeah. it as just like an archive right yeah. now. Like I'm not going to post anything on the feed. There's just nothing to post. Yeah. I think the story section though has become its own thing where I'm letting people that tag me um, like I'll repost things that are like neutral. I'm not yeah. making this like a promotion for Hulu right. or Netflix because they don't pay me <laughs> and I'm not making this like, you know, people want to make like rude jokes about Andy King, the guy from the Netflix <laughs> yeah. doc and yeah. I don't know how he perceives his success. So, like, I don't want to post things that are like making fun of him. Yeah. And so I'm trying to keep this page very like lighthearted and neutral and like. But it's like the people like are tagging it, thinking it's like dead, and then they, like you see like a reposting, like holy shit, what the right? Fuck? People are it's, freaking. Like, it's like an out. extraordinary like moment. Yeah, like, people are freaking out. Like some people are like honored. Some people are like livid. They really think I'm Billy sitting in jail. <laughs> yeah. Like making money off of their post, and I'm just like. 
slow down. Let's like think about this. Here's my real like Instagram. So Would I, you do like an IGTV like series or something? Have you thought about that? I mean, I've thought about it, just not with that account. Like, I don't know what would be relevant for that account. You know, it's just like, just like the design, like just com- something completely like unexpected. It's like trolling like the people. design <laughs> behind, like just kind of like what you told us with this story, like on this podcast, but like kind of like the background, like just in like visual format where yeah. people be like, what the hell is just happening right now? The only issue I see with it is like the IP stuff and all that. Yeah. And that's another so, thing is like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's all so murky. Yeah, yeah. I'm right now. So yeah, what I'm trying to work on right now is moving forward. I'm obviously not going to be like the fire guy forever. Right, and right, I'm right, not right. trying to be like the guy from claim to fame. Yeah. If you know yeah. Claim to fame. Yeah. Like the guy in the Valley who's yeah. like forever like that and has all his photos in yeah. like well, Sal's he, he sandwiches. He was once a part of fire festival. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to think there's more to my career. I'm young. And so I'm trying to like right now figure out my next moves and like, you know, the fire count is just like a nice right. little like Boy Scout badge right, on my like career yeah. thing. And and right now the projects are getting really interesting. A lot of brands want to do these things that kind of pop off and aren't like traditional and are like, you know, everyone thinks they can be fire festival. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm right now trying to just manage expectations and just be like, let's let's come back down to earth. You know, like that was failure. You want to be successful. That also co- still costs a lot of money. You know, let's think of how that looks and just... Making making sure that everyone also realizes they can't be fire festival with just any product or just you know some people have bad intentions and they're coming towards me because they think I'm I'm just that guy and I'm like gonna help them with every bad idea. So yeah. there's a lot of people I have to kind of like push aside to be like, all right, let's let's get through to like the real and right. and like legit stuff. Like today, somebody the last two days, some guy was trying to like court me about some like music festival and I was. He really pulled off a good lie, and I just was like, on the last 40th hour, I caught him, and he, like, disappeared on me all of a sudden. He just was, yeah. So, people are being shady. Um, but, like, and these are people assuming, like, they don't even know who you are. You're, like, somebody behind the... They know uh, me at this point, I think, to some degree, so yeah. they just assume, like, it's rep- it's replicable. Like, right, right, right. Because you're public about it. I think you have it on the... Bio yeah, I put it in the bio because yeah, yeah. again, it's 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 kind of a confusing mess of like who's who. Everyone thinks Andy King is actually that runs that account. Like yeah. people don't understand, or like uh, like they think it's Billy or whatever. They don't understand me because they didn't see the Hulu one because right. no one has Hulu. Yeah, right. uh, now it's being released abroad, so a lot of like the wa- the second and third waves that are coming are Netflix driven, and so mm. I'm yeah. this very confusing. But figure. they're still gonna tag it. Yeah, but it's still a very confusing like figure to some people. So again, like there's a big Spanish side that's coming right now from I don't know what part of the world just got a release, like a Spanish release. So I'm getting a lot of these and I'm like, I'll like comment back something in the stories. I'll be like, that's cool or whatever. And then I'll like <laughs> I'll tag my own Instagram just so they right. know like who's behind this. Right, yeah. right, right. So they don't freak out. So what you you have your own agency now, right? Yeah. So I'm running Atomic Milk. Okay. And what I do now is basically help with these activations. And so I'm working with these different brands and, you know, they're all in like food and cannabis and music Mm -hmm. and lifestyle. And they're all interested right now in taking their brands into like this whole new level. And what that means like is something that hasn't been done yet. And so it's a lot of like figuring out like these like stunts and kind of like activations and um, things that go beyond an activation, like what's beyond a pop-up and Mm -hmm. kind of tying it onto social media, 
back to real life and then to paid media and just is it like the whole like i mean the whole process like like you, you come up with the experience in itself mm-hmm. too or just like the creative both i mean it's up yeah. to the agency like or the brand whether they have their own in-house team that they want to execute it um that's fine but a lot of these brands just want me to take them to like that level and they need that help they're like we have you know a great product we know we do we just need your your team to then get there so I'm working on like a lot of different things right now. I'm just hoping to get out there and and just have fun. I'm trying to like mm-hmm. play with different, you know, brands and just doing different things. So speaking of fun, um, I, so Pat and I recently came up with a segment called Unlikely Likely. Yeah. And then we usually pair up, pair up this random object or service with an existing company. Okay. And we also do one called Wishful Thinking where we make up an entirely fake story and we just talk about it for 20 minutes. And we did that with uh, Barack Obama releasing his own sneakers. They're called Barack Threes. Mm. It's his third iteration. For president for two years and then right. he was president two terms and then third year. <laughs> so uh, I was randomly thinking because I know there's the sign nearby here. I don't know where it is right now, but Sears, the company Sears. Right. You see it? Yeah, I see it. Yeah. So it's basically so – it's almost – Extinct because one side of Sears says ears, so and the other side says like they don't, they don't pay for the electricity. Yeah, they don't care anymore. So let's say, and they're going out of business. Right. But if Sears came to you and said, "Look, Oren, you know we're closing down hundreds of stores, but we're going to keep a few of the flagships across the country, and we really want to, you know, rebrand. We want to rebrand. We want to redo our logo. Wanna we want a new branding campaign. Yeah, we want to activate. And <laughs> well, if they want to activate, you. yeah, and they hire you. <laughs> they hire you. To be in charge, what's step one? What do you do? Um, Is there hope for them? Yeah, absolutely. I would love. I would love Sears to hit me up. Sears, hit me up. Mm-hmm. I seriously, that's some of the brands that have come to me since day one are brands like Sears, mm-hmm. who have great brand equity and are from a different era, and are about to. They have this moment of if they don't do something today, they will be gone tomorrow, and they know that, and they are at their kind of last step, and. Um, and unfortunately for these guys, sometimes what I've realized is that they are too far beyond that step um, to where they will work with you, but they're so scared that they'll shoot themselves in the foot when it comes time to execution because it's so radical that they're actually not ready. They think it's going to hurt their brand versus help their brand. Right. But, but there is no brand. But there is, is no brand. brand. Yeah, they don't yeah. understand that. Yeah. But by backing up, or backing out last minute is actually shooting themselves in the foot. So and those guys are just, like led by like boards of directors and some exactly. of them are public. So those are old timers that don't understand this stuff. It's not even not a knock to the old timers, but some of them really don't understand the meaning of brand. Absolutely. And I had a client that was um, Sears big and um, a major uh, Vegas casino with other brand assets. I don't want to say their name, mm-hmm. but they had was uh, it a bird. No, they had a bunch of um, internal marketing people that have been in the company before they were even a company, like 30, 40 years. And um, and they've been the same team forever. Mm -hmm. And they've been with the founder. They're not public. So they've been with the founder. It's like family run. Mm -hmm. And um, they know the brand inside out. And they do really well on Facebook ads. Right. They have a lot of partnerships and they do a lot of ads. And whatever I pitched to them, they just were like fighting me left and right. I grew their page, double their following in like a month. I raised them their impressions in two months from zero to two hundred and twenty thousand percent. Wow! Like all organic, real, no fake no stuff. No advertising. Or Nothing. Advertising. No advertising. All like organic 
advert like their ad, it wasn't an ad right. it was like like pr- content right yeah. they just weren't doing anything so it went from zero to like a hundred and that enough for them picked up the impression mm-hmm. count to them it looked fake they were freaking out all mm-hmm. this, these things I, I had a Coachella activation too radical wasn't even that radical just like <laughs> couldn't do it to a I point I say Woodstock I said Coachella like, oh. right and they just like shot themselves in the foot over and over deleting things after over posting it and, and it got to a point where I just I was done fighting them but um, what I learned was like they could they were moving back they were like undoing their uncool and people were actually intrigued people were like oh shit you're actually like back you're like you realize you had this great thing we're paying attention now and so you know that is a great moment because now you can like make it or break it you're mm-hmm. people are, are waiting hoping that you'll get back so if sears wants to go back honestly i think shutting all their stores is great become boutique you right. know become more exclusive start getting things like in the hands of like the people, the tastemakers, and stop dealing with the Supreme Collab. Obviously, that's like the easy <laughs> route these days. Like we were just joking. We were earlier. talking about that offline. Yeah, yeah and I think that's like the go-to these just days. Stamp is Supreme on a refrigerator. I wouldn't Sup- put it past Sup- Sears Supreme. Sears Supreme, man. Sub Zero. Yeah, there you go. Supreme Sub Zero. So um, it's so yeah. Joking aside, it's really about like um, joining you know a community, and so Sears community is awful. If right now it is, but I feel like at one point, like when at least when we were growing up, like I remember going to Sears. Like I mean, obviously this one's like right here, but we used to go there for like sure. our appliances and like, yeah, and they have so much thing. shit. I mean, the real estate they have is insane. I think I think the problem is that that community wasn't really hard, like they didn't do much with that community. Right. Like right, right, right. yeah, you're right. My parents still buy all their furniture right. there, mm-hmm. but my parents aren't about to like you know do anything for the brand. Right. So that's yeah. just that. Like, they, They're not going to post on Instagram to their five followers, right? No, like, I don't know. I don't know about your parents. You my mom actually does well. Mine aren't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she. But the point is, like, just these keeps are reposting like orange. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're Perfect. joking, yeah. but um, yeah, I think it's all about these. It's about uh, harnessing communities and just kind of like, um, you know, like a supreme collab. It's like we laugh at it, but you have an audience with the supreme audience that like a Sears doesn't have. Right. So you're basically paying for their audience. It's it's a cheap audience buy-in, you know, paying to be street legit. It's like priceless. But I want to get you thinking seriously. If Sears did come to you and you want they want to do at least like one activation or one kind of brand campaign, what would it look like? What would you do? So again, I'm not I'm not like yeah. saying it would be supreme, but right. I would I would tap into a community of somebody. So it could be like working with a bunch of like artists, let's say, mm-hmm. or a bunch of like smaller, you know, like maybe we're talking about their kids line because right. whatever. And we t- there's like this like girl who works with Nickelodeon. Her name is Jojo Siwa and mm-hmm. she's like, you m- maybe you've seen her. I haven't, no. Whatever. I know of this world because like my last client, they're all like kid stuff. Kids, yeah. But um, she's crushing it. She's like, she went from being like five. She's now like 13. She's like. Oh, she's like a kid. Yeah, but she's a brand like beyond herself now. So it's like, like Ryan's toy. Yeah, it's that just Ryan's she's, she's crushed it to a point where she brings back brands like so Sears could, you know, tap into like her community and like it's it's just a matter of dealing with their community. So again, so first you locate these communities and you kind of like figure out like how to speak to them and once you have like a voice met like a relevant voice to these communities hmm is producing like relevant content for them. So, you know, whether that's online or offline, it's like whatever. We're talking about these kids now. 
It's got to be like, you know, things that are more for like the younger generation. It's going to be like this crazy store. I want to go into Sears with my friends on a, like, we used to hang out at the mall. Like, kids today, I don't know if they, (laughs) if they get off of the internet, but let's say they're at the mall. Like, they probably are still with their phone and they did walk into Sears. Give them something to photograph and like share and like, Put up a wall in there that they or give can, them a like, reason to walk in a Sears from the beginning, right? Yeah, like a TV there with Fortnite. <laughs> right, yeah. have them sit on a couch. Just things that just, just are like relevant, but aren't like too like we're just trying so hard. You relevant. know, like yeah. I think a Supreme collab would be that. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I would out. honestly, my the idea. <laughs> it I would had, work really well. I would but, hit up all the Kardashian Jenner babies. And literally all just the little ha- kids? all the all the babies, yeah. I mean, they're they're call, they're call wealthier than I am. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know what their names are. True and fucking yeah. Kai, yeah. and just let them sit in a refrigerator in Sears, post it on Kim's Instagram. Get game over. Yeah. Sears is back. One second. Yeah, and look these these are like the the communities that have multiple communities. Yeah, and that's that's another thing is like that's where it becomes like an investment of its own. So people like to like hate on influencer marketing. A I lot, great. yeah, but it's it's really because it's un it's it's uh, used incorrectly, and I right. think a lot of people just send a model fit tea and tell her to take a photo. It's like and, purely right. transactional, right? And they just like don't really put any effort in. They just mass blast right. as many people as they can and hope somebody will will. You almost want it to be more organic, like you want and it's Kim Kardashian so good. to be like using that day in and day out. But it's so good when it is. Right. Like I've seen yeah. such funny stuff mm-hmm. where people like know their brand and can like be a little funny with it and it's just like it doesn't have like to be stupid yeah. yeah and there's so much out there that's good and it's just like if you're if you're gonna go that route in in making an ad then you've almost kind of like done it to yourself right if, and and so influencer marketing for sears i think is is really smart move sears if you're listening anybody from sears hit him up it's at Oren Axe. No, my Instagram is Orange Juice. Oh orange yeah, orange. That I love. That's great. Uh, <laughs> so hit him about at Orange Juice or at Fire Festival, and you're gonna get a response either way. Yeah, Sears hit me up. Some ideas. That'll be a big collab. Sears times Fire Festival. I think in general, like uh, Sears would, I would, I would have like a concert series. I'd have like a whole like event series where it brings people out. You know, like get people with the brand. Maybe get Britney Sears. It might work. It's it's not I mean for Sears it might work. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, don't know about it's that. the same audience, maybe. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. But just yeah, harnessing communities and working with them and just and not being uh grossly over the top ad addy. Yeah. It's simple. It's like, you know, I'm I'm being very vague right now because <laughs> it's obviously not a real pitch, but it's yeah. like the two basic tenants are like keep it real, keep it like, you know, organic and just Speaking to uh, like a community of any sort and and kind of being real with them, and that's some great life advice too. Keep it real, keep it organic, be yeah, yourself. Seriously, uh, Oren, keep it thank simple. Thank you so much for being on the show with us. Thank you guys, Pleasure, man. spending time and kind of explaining what you did with the Fire Festival, what you're doing now. And I know that there's going to be a lot of great things to come. I could just tell from your energy, and obviously you're a very talented person. Thank so you, thank we're you. really excited to see what's next for you. Thanks, guys.